Let me pray for our time in our text today, and let's get into it. God, thank you so much for the gift of Reality Carpinteria. Thank you for all that you've done these past 20 years and all that you will do in the next 20 and beyond. God, it's a gift to be here. I'm thankful for it and thankful to be with this church family this morning. And I pray, God, that you would anoint my lips to communicate and to teach and preach your word. Uh, And most importantly, Lord, that you would speak to us. God, all of us are in need of you this morning. All of us come in with different burdens and worries or even expectations of what this year would bring. God, we just ask that we would meet with you and you would speak to us so deeply this morning and that we would come away encouraged and and really confident in who you are this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So obviously with a new year, right, comes new expectation. We all do that, right? We hope for something better and different. And for some of us, It's like really big prayers that we've been praying. For all of us, I would say, it's it's wanting God to come and to intervene and save and change a bunch of stuff in our hurting and broken world. Uh, Or you could be looking at this new year, and even here as a church, we know that God has you guys in a new season, and we're looking forward to how he's going to move. We know he's going to provide. We know he's going to do that. But there's expectation, right? And we want different things or we're praying different ways, especially like today. It's a new year, and so we're going to do things differently, and we all have those resolutions. And And although there's excitement about all that God may do, right, when it comes to us personally or our family or the church or even the world as a whole, in all of us, there's most likely still like fear about some stuff anxiety, stress, or maybe even questions of like, how is God going to do all of this? How's God going to fix all this and provide and lead me and all that? And maybe even we're in the place where we are excited and we are hopeful, but maybe even we're doubting like how God is going to do all these things. I know there's things in my own life that God is you know, already spoken to me or about or called me to or leading me into. And even though like I've seen him do it before and I have faith to believe he'll do it again, I'm also like a realist and I'm skeptical. (laughs) And many times when I hear God speak to me, maybe you're like me in this way, I'm like, God, I like what you're saying, but I don't know if it's actually going to happen. Like, I like that you said that. That's neat. Thank you for doing that. But no offense, I'm just not sure about this one. I don't know if you play that inner dialogue with the Lord. I do it a lot, though. Right? It's our good father, and our good father's like, here you go. I want to do these things in your life. And you're like, that's awesome, but I... <laughs> it's a good sentiment, but I don't see it actually coming to pass. And maybe many of us are here this morning feeling that way in one way or another, looking at this new year. And in light of these things, What I want to do today is actually just encourage us. My hope is to encourage us by looking at some of the life of Abraham and the words of Moses. Go in Old Testament. Adam's super excited about that, by the way. Told me that many times. But my hope is that we can use them as examples to glean from. And the first is about Abraham. Um, Going all the way back to the beginning. You know Abraham. He's the patriarch of the Jewish people. 
Uh, if you want to go read all about him, you can see his life recorded from Genesis 11 to Genesis 25. And one of the first things that we see in here, like we don't see much about him. You know, Genesis 11, we see this huge genealogy and there's Abram and Genesis 12 happens. And there's this incredible profound promise that God gives this guy we don't really know about, Abram, which would be called Abraham. And it's known very famously as the Abrahamic covenant. And this guy we don't know much about has really nothing. God promises him like an astronomical thing. As we all might know, well, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, the Lord says to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation, and I'll bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt, all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. We, we know what happened since then, but if you put yourself in Abraham's shoes for a second, this is crazy for God to say to him. Like, God, who is this God saying this crazy thing about a family I don't even have? Right? Many of us heard and know the story, and the reason why a lot of times we refer to Abraham as having great faith or a model example of that is that for like 30 years, he trusted God and then, then him and his wife, Sarah, had kids. And, but it wouldn't happen for a long time. And God would build a nation from nothing. This all did come to pass. And that is incredible faith that Abraham and Sarah had and trusted God's word. But for me, why Abraham's waiting upon God's word and promises like impress me more than that. I'm not saying that I don't want to discredit Abraham's faith here. But what's even wilder to me is that Abraham didn't have a ton to go on when it came to proof and examples of God's character being tested and proven. Like there wasn't a whole bunch of people around him that had testimonies of God moving. Think about it. Like, put yourself in the biblical timeline of Abraham. And prior to that, uh, I mean, if you think about it, there's like Noah and his family, which was amazing faith, but also weird stuff. But there's a super long lineage of people we don't really know about. And so if you're Abraham, where he, where he stood, when he heard this promise from God, like, it, he was gambling, to be like, who's this God? And this is his promise to me? I have nothing? And you're going to say you're going to build a nation out of me? Like, to, for Abraham to trust him at that point was like a gamble. Because what did he have to go off? He didn't know much about this God. Right? For, for you and I, it's one thing if like we know a person in our life really well, and they tell us even something crazy they're going to do. Like if it's a best friend or a spouse or a parent or a kid that we know well, well, we've seen them come through on their word before or we've, we trust them or we know them or we know that even though that's a big promise that they're making that maybe there's a good chance they'll come through. But Abraham doesn't have that with God at this point. He doesn't have that. Abraham had to have 
in my opinion, like the measure of faith that he had to have was incredible to be able to wait upon and watch as God would ultimately do just as he said he would do. But here's where I want to make the connection from Abraham to us this morning. When it comes to trusting God or waiting upon God to answer prayers or provide for us or lead us or birth new things that we hope he will this year, or even on a larger scale, if we're you know, praying that God's kingdom would come in this world. Hear me out. Don't think I'm heretical, okay, for a second. We actually don't wait and trust in the same place of Abraham. We actually don't need the same type or measure of faith that he did. And this is why. This is why I said that. You see, like Abraham, we, in a very different way, we wait from a place or we trust God from a place with a mountain worth of evidence of God's faithfulness. Like, like endless, countless stories of how God has provided and led and cared for his people. We are at a different place in the timeline of God's relationship with his people than Abraham was. When we trust God and when God says crazy things to us or when we hope or pray things, we're not gambling at all. This is a sure bet. Because unlike Abraham, we do have a great cloud of witnesses that have come before us. There's chapters of the Bible. It's the whole Bible. It's stories of this. How God over and over and over how he's always provided, how he's always rescued, how he's always led, and how he's always cared for his people. It actually would take more faith to believe that God wouldn't do those things. All of us right now, I know that we're looking at this year, and I know if we're honest, we're doubting that, oh, I don't know if God can do that. We all have it. That actually, you're, you're, you're betting against his perfect character. It's actually going to take more faith to believe he wouldn't do it than it is to actually trust him that he will. I mean, think, think, think about it. If you track even like Israel's history from Abraham through Israel's story, through the wilderness and through the promised land and through the prophets and the prophecies, God was continuing to provide and lead and care and be with his people. And where it all crescendos and what we just celebrated was, right, the advent of his son who once and for all would save, rescue, and redeem the world. Jesus was the culmination of the story. Over and over and over, God has proven himself faithful. And if that wasn't enough, since Jesus, we've had 2,000 years of countless ways God has guided and provided for his people on a global scale. And if we're honest with just history, if we're honest with looking objectively on what God has done, God has always showed up. God has always been faithful and God has always been good. Now has the timing been different than people wanted? Always. Always. We haven't learned that yet. God didn't answer my prayer. Well, do you remember, like, he might have a different timeline? 
Maybe there's a different plan. But God has always. He's always shown up. He's always been faithful. He's always been good. And even better than that, he's done it for millennia when we haven't been faithful to him. Right? Paul, to his letter to Timothy, in 2 Timothy, said even when we're faithless, God remains faithful. He cannot disown himself. That's his character. Whether you want to try to mess that up or you're, you know, unfaithful, he is always faithful, always has been, always will be. So, as we look into this new year, maybe for some of us it's unanswered prayers or whether God will provide for us or how he'll lead us or where as a church, right, where are we going to go? All these things, what's going to happen? I want to remind us this morning, we don't await these things like Abraham in the dark. But rather, we wait from a place with a mountain worth of evidence of God's faithfulness. Very different than Abraham. Like when Abraham said, when God said to Abraham, I'm going I'm to do all these things. If I was Abraham's buddy and Abraham said, hey, this God says he's going to do this through me, I'd be like, I don't know, man. Who, I don't even, how? I don't know. But if you fast forward to the story of God now, and then you come to me and say, hey, I feel like God's going to do this thing, or I think he's going to provide all these things, I'd be like, yeah, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? You'd be crazy to think he wouldn't at this point. And so church, hear this. If you don't hear much else this morning, if you just see my hands moving only, I read a lot. Hear this, or write this down, or take notes, or whatever you want to do. God's past track record is our future assurance. God's past track record is our future assurance. And when we keep what God has done near to us, like when we remember and recall all that he's done in the past for you and I and his people and this church, when we keep that here near to us, looking forward, it emboldens and empowers our prayers and our faith and our waiting. Even if it's not in our timing, which again, it's probably not going to be. But God has always come through and there's no reason for him not to now. And if we were going to fast forward, which we will right now from Abraham to Moses in Israel's story in Deuteronomy 6, what Moses would do is he would command Israel to do whatever it took to not forget what God had done for them. Like in this section of scripture I'm going to read, you're going to hear it. There is very practical, tangible things that Moses is really trying to plead with God's people. Guys, things are going to come. It's going to get gnarly. It's going to, I mean, this is, things are going to happen. You're going to be worried. You're going to be scared. You're going to have opposition. Whatever you do, don't forget what God has done. Don't forget it because you're going to need to remember as you, as you go forward. This is what Moses says in Deuteronomy 6. He says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again and again, and again to your children Talk about them at your home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. 
Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. Be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from the slavery in the land of Egypt. Again, that would be like, hey, put a post-it note on your mirror or your reminders or do whatever you can to not forget what God has done in your life. Moses is trying to plead with God's people here. And I wish I could tell you that they took all of this to heart and they were good and it was awesome. No. Unfortunately, Israel's story over and over and over again would be, if you read the Old Testament, where they got into trouble, where the land was taken, where they lost out on God's promises, was when they failed to remember all that God had done for them. Like That is the thing that got them into trouble. They would, they would all of a sudden encounter opposition or a new thing or an unknown, and they would like freak out. And if you're reading the story, you'd be like, guys, why are you freaking out? Don't you remember what God just did? Right? They, they over and over didn't recall all that God had done and said, and it caused incredible harm to them as a nation. It was devastating, actually. It's absolutely devastating to them as a people that they didn't heed these words and that they, that they forgot all that God had done and how, how he had provided for them. But if we're honest... Right? It's real easy to point the finger at Israel right now. I can't believe them in the story of the Bible. But if we're, we're honest, we're probably more like them than we'd like to admit. Because like how quickly that you and I can forget how faithful God's been to us. How he's resurrected us from all kinds of messes. How he set us free from all kinds of things. I don't know about you, but, but I fall into this trap all the time. If I don't keep near to me all that God has done, if I don't like recall and remember all that God's done for me, all of a sudden like an issue or a problem will happen. And you're like, oh no, the world's over. Like, oh no, I don't know how this, God, how are you going to get out of this one? And I'm like, and you know, I'm sure God's sitting back being like, Really? I've done, look at how much I've done before. Like, what makes you think I wouldn't get you through this now? For me, uh, busyness and perpetual forward-facing view of life does this for me. I, 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 I get in trouble because, you know, I like to juggle many things. I like to multitask, you know, church planner and husband and dad and many people and mile a minute and life of the party and extrovert, all the things that you see right now, that's me. The busyness, the, go, the energy. Like, but my, but my, my, my forward-facing busyness gets me in trouble because I don't spend adequate time like slowing down and remembering and recalling all that God has done. And for me, being that like busy do many things, try to do so, like two things at once. Why Hawaii has been so good for me and hard is that Hawaii is, you know, as you might know, on island time. Is that me? Sounds like me. Happens, happens. Um, 
So Hawaii, you know, it's chill. It's slow. It's laid back. If you've been, I live on Oahu, uh, right? Honolulu is on Oahu. It's so chill that on the main freeway, on the biggest, busiest island, right, you can only go 55. That's it. But people drive so slow that they have to put a minimum speed limit of 45. Like, you got to go, you got to, like, who says that? Like, you got to keep, you got to go faster. Like, you have to go faster. Like, who's, whoever says that? No one's saying that anywhere. California, it's like, dude, slow down. <laughs> right? But Hawaii, it's like, hey, just, you got to keep going. And even, like, jokingly on, like, light, you know, on bumper stickers on cars, they're even trying to slow you down more. Like, with it, you know, there's bumper stickers that say, slow down, this ain't the mainland. Like, calm down, slow down. Even like when you drive places, I learned this, you, you know, you just have to adapt to living there. I, I had to know when you see someone in Hawaii, it's not like here where you can like not talk to the person or just say hi. You got to stop and what they call is talk story. You got to stop talk story. You have to just stop and be and spend like a good amount of time talking to them or it's really rude. And so you have to build that into your schedule. Like, hey, if I'm driving to another meeting, I have to build in talk story time. I have to be like, okay. I have to know that I just can't do as much. Another example, super funny, but you'll get it, is when we moved there, you know, people would obviously invite you to the beach, like all the time. Like, hey, let's go to the beach. And me being from here and just how I'm wired, my question would be to them. I'd say, okay, awesome. Well, what are we going to do there? And they would be like, what do you mean? What are we going to do at the beach? I'm like, I don't know. Are we going to like surf? Are we going to like, like, what do I need to plan for? Like, what do I need to bring? Or like, they're like, no, no, we're just going to be. Like, we're just going to hang out at the beach and talk and eat food like all day. And like, there's no like activities. I mean, you can do something, but again, like, I'm just so wired. Like, well, what are you going to (laughs) do? But why culturally just the slowdown has been so good for me? is because even though these are funny examples of like practically why you need to like be less busy or whatever, I find myself having more time to be reflective and to recall, you know, what God has done. Because I'm just forced to just pause. And you know what? It's okay to not get everything done. And yep, that didn't happen. And for me, it's been really healthy to just like, slow down and pause and spend more time reflecting or journaling or whatever it is to go, wow, yeah, God is good and he's done all these things and it's been really healthy for me. But you may, you may be hearing me this morning and, you know, this sounds great, Riz. It's awesome. That was a funny story or whatever. That's cool. And hopefully you are encouraged by remembering God's faithfulness, but you may still be in the place where God hasn't come through what you've asked of him. I want to hold space for that because that's very real. Maybe you're still waiting. God, you're still waiting for like the thing you spoke to me or that season to be different or the prayer to be answered. And maybe like Abraham, you're in a season where you just feel like it's dragging on and you don't see or feel anything happening. We all go through those seasons at times. And what I want us to, to hold, not only to remember God's faithfulness, but, I, but in light of maybe feeling that way, I want to ri- remind us this morning that when God has us waiting, 
when things aren't happening, that waiting is like really good for us, actually. Like there is so much work that God wants to do in us when he has us wait. And me being that extrovert busybody, even saying those words, like I cringe. Like waiting is good. You're like, who did you, that you just said that? No, it's not. Right? Like, but, but again, maybe, and maybe this is, is for you this morning, rather than wishing your waiting season was over. Because so many times, right, what's your prayer? Well, I just want this season to be over or that thing to change or that thing to come. How often do we say, oh, I just want to keep waiting? How often do we go to the prayer team and say, what's your prayer? That I would just wait longer. Right, that I would just, it would be more time not getting what I'm asking for. <laughs> You'd be like, wow, I mean, this is an unbelievable prayer. I've never heard that before. But right, rather than maybe us wishing that the season was over and that, you know, we're done waiting and God's promises came to pass, what if the seasons of waiting or the season that we're in right now that we're not getting what we asked for, what if it's an opportunity to reflect upon all that God's done in the past? What if it's an opportunity to say, God, what do you want to speak to me in this season right now? Instead of just wishing that it was over, God, what do you want to speak to me now? And the more time he doesn't give you the thing you want, it's more time to just reflect how he's been faithful. And doing that will give us more assurance of what's to come in the future. I guarantee it. And you know this, but I want to I I hit, hit it hard today. That there's always purpose in what God does. Like there is a reason why your prayer is not answered yet. Why that thing hasn't come yet or your situation's changed or whatever it is that you're hoping for or praying for or even wanting this year, there is reason why God has not done that yet. And it's not that he's trying to punish us. It's not that he's, you know, some evil intention of just like trying to have you wait to have you wait. There is incredible work that he wants to do in you that wouldn't happen unless you were in that current season. If I look back at my own life, and I think about the times that I've grown the most or met with God the most, you know what it's been? It's not been good seasons. It's been hard seasons. It's been seasons where stuff like has not gone my way or my timing. It's always been in those seasons where God says, not yet or not now or not that way. That's where God has spoken to me. That's where God's met me. That's where I'm reminded of all that God has done. There is nothing and no season and no time and no pain that is wasted in the economy of God. And even right now hearing that, you're like, that is not true. But I want to tell you right now that nothing is wasted with God. Nothing is wasted. He is absolutely purposeful. And when God has us waiting, there's no such thing as a waste of time. When we're waiting, God is working. And again, we like to say that all the time. Oh, such a waste of time. I had to wait another hour for that thing. Ah, what a waste of time. But was it? 
Or did God want to do something in you in that hour? Maybe next time you're at the DMV, think about it that way. Ah, oh, such a waste of time. Yeah, but you have time to recall God's faithfulness in that seat that you don't like to sit in with the number you have. So as we enter the new year, I just want to like put that out there that we don't like wait upon God or we don't, the things we're asking for or the work that we want God to do, we don't do it without hope that he's going to do it. We actually stand in a place of like confident expectation that he is going to do it. We wait with assurance that God is going to do what he said he would do because again, he always has. If you come up to me right now and say, but you don't know my story, you don't know my situation, I don't think God can. And I would say, I, I don't know your story, I don't know your situation, but God does. And there has been millennia of other people that have gone through similar, harder, different things. And what has God always done? He's always come through. Is it going to be maybe different or different timing? Sure. But God has always led and cared and provided for his people. So why would he stop now? Guys, like thinking about, you know, church building and church and church. Why would God stop now providing for his people? Will it be different? Sure. Will God be different? No. And if we, you know, as dark as this world may get or as long as the season we're in may feel, or even though we feel like maybe God's not moving, guys, we can always fix our eyes to Jesus can always remember what God did by sending his only son into a broken world to draw a fallen people to himself. God has, God has sent his kingdom. His kingdom has come. It's coming. It will fully be consummated one day. We know the end of the story. Once again, Abraham did it and we do. And we can know that God is the same God today as he's always been and that his past track record is our future assurance. So church, as we enter into this time of worship right now, the second set of musical worship, the reason why we have this at reality is a time to respond to how God has spoken to us. It's not just like a buffer, like a cool bookend to the service. Like this is the time where we pause and we were reminded and we recall all that God has done. And we worship him about it. And we call out his attributes and his character and his goodness. And we do that through, you know, carpet time up here. But he's already carpet time. Snoozing, snoozing. Oh yeah, sleeping. Carpet time up here. We do that through communion. We do that through prayer team. Like we do that in your seats, your hands up or whatever you want to do. We do that. We respond to God and we say, God, you actually are good. I've doubted you, but I trust you. I believe you. Like we respond and we recall and we remember. So let's do that now. Let's make the most of this time and recall that all, all that God has done in the past as we look forward to this new year, knowing that he is going to do it again. Amen? Amen. God, thank you. Hmm. You are good. God, as we look back at the reminder of your people this morning and your word and all the ways that you have cared for your people, God, I pray even in this time of worship now that, we, that you would meet us where we're at, that each of us would feel our Father's 
provision and care and love this morning. Because God, this is, this is not just an ancient story. We are in the story of God and you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so as we worship you now, we worship you from a place of confident expectance that this year you are going to lead us. You are going to provide, you're going to speak, you're going to care. So we thank you that we can stand in a place with a mountain of evidence that you are good and you are God. So God, we pray that we'd make the most of this time now as we worship you, as we declare your attributes, that instead of thinking about what we have going on at lunch or today or tomorrow, that for the next few songs, we would just be still and know that you are God, that you would flood our hearts and minds with all the ways that you've redeemed us and rescued us and saved us and freed us and healed us. We love you, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.